The following message is from Temple Bible Church. For more information about the church and its ministries, visit www.templebiblechurch.org. If you have your Bible or your apps, would you turn them on or open them to Galatians chapter 6, Galatians the 6th chapter. We're going to look at God's Word together just to give you a little preview of where we're headed and what we're doing. Uh, Next week, we will conclude our study in Galatians. I'll be preaching the end of the book. And uh, then the following Sunday, we're going to start an Advent series. We'll do that for four or five Sundays leading through Christmas Day. Christmas Day is on a Sunday this year, as you know. And uh, then after that, we're going to begin the new year uh, talking about biblical manhood and womanhood. Biblical manhood and womanhood, a topic that is very pertinent to our culture at this time. And uh, we'll spend 10 weeks looking at that, and that'll take us to Easter. And uh, then we'll take a break for an Easter series. And then after that, somewhere in God's Word, we're not sure yet. So that's where we're headed in the next several weeks as we study the Word together. If you're new to TBC, we do welcome you. There's a visitor center out these doors to the right uh, when you exit. And if you'll stop there, we have some folks that will be glad to tell you a little bit more about our ministry and some of the opportunities to get involved in our body. And uh, let's see what else I have up here. Then the Advent season, we're going to be doing a uh, series uh, that's available to you to follow along and also to be doing with your family. Uh, the Jesus Storybook, you can get online. You can go to Amazon or whatever, uh, Christian book distributors, and purchase one. We had a bunch in the hallway we sold out in between uh, before this service, actually. So uh, I think we'll have some more out there. Go to our website, www.templebiblechurch.org. And uh, there you'll find readings to go along with the Jesus Storybook. So if you have kiddos, great way, grandkids, great way to invest in the Advent season. Uh, as many of you know, last uh, 10 days, Bev and I have been gone. We've been in the Ukraine, and uh, there we were privileged to be with our sister church. Uh, Stephen Wendy Wolf, one of our elders, and his wife joined us. And uh, one of the things we did there for four days is, or three days, we had a pastor's conference. Uh, this is a picture from the balcony of our sister church. About 250 pastors were there, uh, many of them with their wives. Great opportunity to minister to them. Uh, they love taking in God's word. And I pass on to you a, a great uh, thanksgiving from them for allowing us to go as well as we financed uh, a good portion of that conference. If you're new to TBC, 20% of our general fund dollars go specifically to missions right off the top. And uh, we were able to provide these guys with three meals a day and uh, place to stay. They had to get their own transportation to get there. So it was a great time. One of my heroes of the faith, Bev and I were there really to support Jill and Stuart Briscoe. Uh, We taught about the same amount of time, but Stuart is 86 years old. Jill is 81 years old. And they were teaching like for three hours a day. And uh, they have been overseas for the last three months, traveling country to country, city to city, uh, preaching and teaching in colleges, seminaries, and uh, pastors' conferences. And I tell you, it's amazing to me that uh, somebody that age would be gone that strong. And one of my heroes of the faith as uh, they're there. Jill and Bev taught at a different venue. Uh, Stuart and I were teaching at our sister church. And uh, obviously, everything's done through an interrupter or uh, not an interrupter, a... Uh, <laughs> They do that uh, through uh, interpreter. That's the word I'm looking for. Uh, So uh, you preach, they interpret, you've got time to look at your notes. And we had a great time. I mean, we just loved being with these guys. And so uh, by God's grace, this little church in Temple, Texas has an opportunity to impact literally a nation for the Savior. And for that, we're grateful. The way home was quite interesting. Uh, it snowed 12 inches last Sunday night in Kiev. We caught a plane Monday morning, and uh, it was, uh, I mean, it just snowed and snowed. It was cold, so we brought that back with us. I hope you're enjoying it right now. 
Um, while we're away, uh, one of my good friends sent me a song called The Millennial Song. It's a song produced by Watermark Church in Dallas. And uh, I, we just laughed as we saw it and, and looked at it, but we also uh, recognized a couple of our kids are millennials. And so we only have a couple of kids, by the way. Uh, so <laughs> both of our kids are millennials. Uh, so if you were born between 1980 and 2000, that makes you a millennial. How many of you fall in that category? You're born between 1980, wow, look at all these guys, 1980 and 2000, a bunch of you. Okay, so uh, I want you to watch this and then uh, we pray for different folks. We're going to pray for you after and uh, <laughs> you're going to need it when you see this. And so uh, here we go. Let's, let's hit it, guys. Let's watch this together. Ding, 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 ding. There he sits inside your local coffee shop Sporting a main bun and facial hair Somehow he believes although he has no job That by his thirties he will be a millionaire M-I-L-L-E-N-N-I-A-L Gotta love millennials M-I-L-L-E-N-N-I-A Lots of selfies on her Instagram With the quote that's inspirational Hopes to change the world while wearing yoga Pants on with her dreams and knowledge of essential oils M-I-L-L-E-N-N-I-A-L Gotta love millennials M-I-L-L-E-N-N-I-A Seven years old, trying to make it on their own. Maybe stop by leaving your parents home. But maybe we're just wrong. Criticism isn't easy for their ears. They feel like they know most everything. See, they grew up with undeserved confidence. Trophies just for participating. M I L L E N N I A L. love to do with Galatians or anything like that, but I can't pass that up. It's too good not to use. 
You know what? Uh, one of the things I love about a millennial is they challenge us. You guys in the area of social justice and reaching out in our community have really turned the evangelical church, and I'm grateful for that. And so if you're a millennial, would you stand up? We want to honor you, and thank you for being with us this morning. There we go. Go ahead and stand up. 1980 to 2000. You guys go ahead and take a couple of selfies. It's okay. Keep standing. Now, I want you to keep standing because we're going to pray for you. Just as it said, we're going to pray for you. So here's what I'm going to do. Take a look around, see who they are. Now, I want my old guys, if you can stand up, I want you to stand up and go find one and touch and lay hands on them so we can pray for them. So we're going to do that. I'm going to go down here with all these guys and pray from down here. All right. Bless you guys. Let me pray for y'all. Let's pray, guys. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for these young people. Father, I pray that the world will be changed through them. God, would you fix their eyes on Jesus? I pray they wouldn't just have justice, but they would have the gospel with them as they exercise justice. Thank you for letting me be part of our body and letting us be part of their lives. And I pray blessing over them. Father, now as we open the word, would you teach us in the name of Jesus? Amen. Amen. Let's thank these young people one more time. I've had uh, 200 people say, where can I find that song in the last couple of hours? Just go, Google up Watermark Millennials, it'll pop up, okay? I may not be a millennial, but I know how to use a computer and an iPhone, so pretty amazing. Galatians chapter 6, Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 10, and actually I want to read that. I use the New American Standard, I want to read it out of the NIV, and uh, you actually have a Bible app on your phone if you didn't know that. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently, but watch yourselves or you'll be tempted. Carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to the, sows, I've gotten six text messages standing here thanking me for the video. Okay. I appreciate it. Good. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Stop texting me. I got one eye up here. I can barely see as it is. Whoever sows to, where am I? Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in well-doing and doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who are the household of faith. Father, it's good to laugh. It's also good to cry as we come to the table and reflect on what Jesus has done for us. And now would you teach us from your word? In the name of Jesus, amen. We were made for relationship, we were made for community, we were made for one another. That's the way God wired us. All the way back in Genesis chapters 1 and 2, God looks at his creation and says, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. Then he looks at him and says, it's not good. Specifically, it's not good for man to what? Be alone. And so God has made us for community. Think about that statement. He made that statement when just Adam on the planet and he had fellowship with Adam, but he said, Adam is alone. 
And so in the midst of that, what we see is God has made us for relationship. And it may not be a marriage relationship because everyone won't get married, but he's made us for relationship. That's why the church is a community. That's why we need one another. That's why I need you and you need me. And we need one another cross-generationally, diverse as we can possibly be. But something happened. What happened was the fall. And the fall fractured every relationship. The first relationship it fractured was a relationship between God and man. It fractured the vertical relationship. And if you remember, God comes looking for Adam and Eve. The scriptures say they're actually hiding from God. Two people on the planet, they're going to hide from God. What a joke. But, but, but God says, where are you? And uh, the, not only was that relationship fractured, but very quickly, this relationship was fractured because when God said, what happened? Do you remember what happened or what was said next? Adam said, hey, God, it's my fault, right? What did Adam do? He passed the buck for the first time and men have been doing it ever since, okay? It's the woman you gave me. Listen to that statement. It's the woman you gave me. So he's blaming both Eve and God. He's saying the problem here in this fractured relationship is first of all between us and secondly, it's her fault. And then Eve following the lead of her husband does the very same thing and says, it's the serpent, it's the snake. He's the one that deceived me. That's why I bit of the forbidden fruit. And so what we see is that relationships are fractured since then they have sons, uh, Cain and Abel, and the relationship between brothers is fractured. One murders the other. And every relationship that's ever existed on our planet because of the fall at some point in time is fractured. We all struggle. So fast forward. We fast forward to Christ coming to our planet. That's called the Advent. That's what we're going to look at during the Christmas season. And then on Pentecost, the church is formed. And that means we, now followers of Christ, have the same father. And because we have the same father, it makes us brothers and sisters. I, I, that's my dad. I've got uh, two sisters or two, two ladies of the same father. So that makes us brothers and sisters. Now that we all have the same father, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. So take a look around the room. Go ahead. You can turn your heads in church. These are your brothers. These are your sisters. You are related to them. You can wave at one another from that side of the room to that side of the room and vice versa. Meet your brothers and sisters in Christ. Here they are. And, and just like any family, we all get along all the time. Remember the little ditty, oh, to dwell with the saints in glory, but to live with them here, that's another story. I I mean, not only are are relationships between the father fractured, and not only is our relationship with brothers and sisters biological fractured, but we fracture relationships within the family of God. I've shared with you a number of times one of my favorite church names, the original church of God in Christ, number two. Think about that for a second. The original church in God in Christ, number two. Something happened. It's in Atlanta, Georgia. There's a church in London, England called the Correct Baptist Church. (laughs) I bet they had fun voting on that one. Can't you imagine? Let's call ourselves the Correct Church because everybody else is wrong. So the family has been fractured. And yet in Galatians 3.28, it says there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither male nor female, there's neither slave nor free, for we all, what? One in Christ Jesus. Hence the title of our whole series, One. There's one gospel, there's one family. So Paul, after talking about what it means to walk by the Spirit, now says, I want you to live by the Spirit. And obviously there must have been some problems in Galatians because in verse 26, he challenges and says, don't become boastful, challenging one another, envying one another. He says, if you're part of the same family, you got to make sure that you get along. 
And so verses 1 through 10 are an outflow of what it means to relate to one another when we possess the same Spirit, when we walk by the Spirit. How are we to relate to one another? How are we supposed to get along? And so Paul addresses that really in about four different ways. First of all, he talks about how we relate to the one who is sinning. How do we relate to the brother or sister who's living in sin? Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Brethren, so he's talking to those of us that are believers, brothers, even if a man is caught. So this is not us going out and looking for sin, but the sin is very obvious. If they're caught in a trespass, the word trespass means to stumble or to fall. So if somebody is stumbling into sin, somebody is falling into sin, then you who are spiritual, it doesn't say call a pastor, call an elder, call a small group leader, but you who possess the spirit, you who are spiritual, you need to restore such a one. Restore is an interesting word in the Greek language. It means to mend a net or to set a broken bone. And so the call is when we see somebody who is stumbling spiritually, who is falling spiritually, we go and help them mend that net. We go and help them be restored. We go and help them have the bone reset, so to speak. And so he says, when you see somebody falling into sin, you've got a brother or sister and they're really struggling. You go and restore him. And look at what it says after that. In a spirit of what? What's it say? In a spirit of, look in your Bibles, of gentleness. So you go in a gentle way. So you find out there's a brother or sister who's living in sin or struggling in sin, or maybe their hearts have just become cold. It says we have both the privilege and the responsibility to go to them and seek to restore them, to repair their net, to help them reset that bone. So you've got a brother or sister who, who, who is struggling in some way. Say, I want to come alongside you. I want to care for you. You do it in a spirit of gentleness. Now, there are two different people mentioned in this verse. There's the confronter and there's the person being confronted. So the, the, I, I like to call it carefrontation instead of confrontation. You care enough to go to someone who's struggling. Now, Jesus says, when you do that, he's speaking in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, make sure your heart is right, your attitude is right. Why do you look for the speck that's in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that's in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, and behold, there's a log in your own eye. You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. He he says, we need to go to our brother, but we need to examine our hearts and our motives first. You see someone who's struggling in sin. You're a college student, and you see somebody struggling in sin. A dear friend says, you have the privilege and the responsibility to go to them, but make sure that your heart is right and your motives are pure. To those of us that are older, same admonition. You see somebody struggling, you go to restore them. You go to mend their net. You go to help them reset that bone. You come alongside I'm grateful for men in my life who come alongside me and rebuke me. There are men in my life who come alongside me. You do it sometimes. You'll send me an email and say, Gary, did you mean that? And at first, to be honest, it's hard. I mean, we want to, you know, we want to buck up and we want to say, what what, what right do you have? But then if you hold your critics closely or those who are spiritually concerned about you, you can learn and grow. I'm 62 years old. I'm still learning and growing. Sometimes I'll read something. Somebody sends me and say, you know, that's right. My motive was wrong. I'm so sorry. I check my motives before I play stuff like videos. Am I just doing that for laughter from the crowd? Or am I doing that so we can have a message that impacts each of us? I mean, everything we do, we want to be circumspect about. We want to look at our hearts and look deep in our hearts. And there are times when I'm like you, I struggle with that. I struggle with that. I, I, I fall into sin, but I'm grateful to be restored. 
So what you have, first of all, in this verse is a sinner who needs to be restored. There's the person who, who's care fronting, so to speak, but there's also the one who's being rebuked. How do you respond when you're rebuked? I mean, how do you respond when you're caught in sin? That's what it says. This person is caught in sin. Let, let, me, let me make it personal. You overspend again. And your husband or your wife comes to you and says, I thought we agreed on that. And you know what's wrong. How do you respond? You, after your kids and wife go to bed, you get online and look at stuff you shouldn't be looking at. You hear some patter behind you and you switch out of that computer screen as quickly as you can because you know you're caught looking at porn again. You know there's a relationship that's been broken that needs to be restored, but you refuse to do it and so you live in bitterness and anger. And you hear a message or you read the word in your quiet time and you refuse to obey. What do you do? What do you do? This is what Proverbs says. Proverbs says a fool rejects his father's discipline, but he who regards a rebuke is sensible. Somebody comes to you and they love you enough to care for you and they do that and you say, well, they didn't come in gentleness. Well, maybe not. Is there something you can learn from that? A rebuke goes deeper into one who has understanding than a hundred blows into a fool. See, when, when, when you learn from that which somebody comes to you with and you receive that and hopefully change as a result of it, You have grown more than a guy who gets lashed a hundred times and doesn't learn anything. Over the years I've been here, by God's grace, folks have come to me. And sometimes, to be honest with you, I look at them and say, who do they think they are? But there are the times I sit there and I say, you know, they're right. I need to soften. I need to change this. I need to do that. And by God's grace, by God's grace alone, hopefully it happens. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful the kisses of an enemy friend, this keeps cutting out on me, doesn't it? You've got a friend who comes along and wounds you in a good way. Says, hey, Gary, is that the way you should treat Beth? Is that the way you should speak about your friends from the pulpit or whatever it might be? You see somebody falling into sin, says what you need to do is respond. I mean, we we all struggle. I, I struggle with it. So basically what he's saying is when you relate to the sinner, share truth gently. So you get your pens ready? Here's a question for you. Here's a question for you. Do you have a friend that needs to be restored? Take a note on your phone. Who is that person? Maybe they used to sit next to you over here. Who used to sit in that row right there? Who used to sit right over here? And maybe they're worshiping somewhere else. That's fine. Or maybe they're just not here this week. But who's drifted away that you can go to and say, man, it grieves me. Tell me what's happening. And seek to mend that net and restore that bone. Set that bone. Secondly, maybe somebody's come to you and they said, you know, I'm really concerned about the way you treat your husband. When you're with the ladies, you throw him under the bus quite a bunch. Or maybe they come to you and say, you know, man, it seems like whatever it might be with kids or I don't know what it is. And maybe you've dissed that rather than embraced that. Rather than thank those people for having the guts to come to you. And maybe you just need to say, hey, you know, I didn't respond properly. Would you forgive me and pray that I'll be restored, that my bone will be reset, that my net will be mended spiritually, emotionally, and physically. So Paul says, if you're part of the family, you got to relate to sinners. If you're part of the family, you got to relate to strugglers. you got to relate to folks who are struggling too. 
If you look at the next verse, look at what he says. Bear one another's burdens and fulfill the law of Christ. The law of Christ is loving others. Bear one another's burdens. And so if you drop down and you look at verse 5, it may seem contradictory. For each one should bear his own load. So in verse 2, he says, bear one another's burdens. And in verse 5, he says, bear your own load. But here's what you need to realize. When he says, bear one another's burdens, the the word used for burden there, baros is the word that's used there. It it refers to an extraordinary load. It it refers, I I, I googled that up, heavy loads, and all these pictures popped up. And uh, you help those with burdensome loads. And these are some of the pictures that popped up. I I mean, these are physical loads. Would you ask God to give you eyes to see someone who has a burden that is too heavy for them? It, it, it may be a, a burden within their family. Maybe they've got prodigal sons and daughters. Maybe their marriage is struggling. Maybe their spiritual life is cold. Or may, maybe they're students and, the, and they're struggling with getting through school or what, whatever it might be. And would you pray that God would give you eyes to come alongside? It's easy to see physical loads, to give you eyes to see emotional and spiritual loads that your friend is struggling to bear. Would you pray for that? God, give me eyes to see. The two 10-year-old boys, they walked into one of the boys' houses and his grandma was sitting on the couch and she, she was reading something and uh, he turned to his friend and said, when I get old like my grandma, I want to have glasses like she has. And his friend looked at him and said, what are you talking about? You have glasses like granny? He says, yeah, I want to have gla- glasses like my granny because, you know, it's amazing. She can see when a guy like me needs to be hugged on. And she can see when my mom and dad need a night out, and so she takes care of me. And she can see when our neighbors need a meal, so she takes a meal to them. I want to have glasses like my granny when I get older. Did you pray that God will give you glasses like that, that you could see with spiritual eyes somebody that's carrying a burden this week? Because in verse 5, the word for when it says bear your load, it refers to a pack. It's, it's like your backpack. It's like a small bag that they might have. A lot of men then had men, man purses. You know what I'm talking about, guys? And, and so they walked around with their pouch, not a pack, but a pouch. And that, that's the word that's used here. They, it says, bear your own pouch, carry your own backpack, carry your own suitcase. Carry, the normal stuff of life, we're supposed to handle ourselves through the power of the Spirit, obviously. But when somebody has a burden that is too heavy for them to bear, he says, you need to come alongside them. You need to help them bear those burdens. You know, we've had uh, four folks, three folks rather, who were killed in either Afghanistan or Iraq in the last decade. And uh, when these folks go through times like this, they know what it's like to bear one another's burdens. You, you look at these pictures and I guarantee you, these are folks that are bearing one another's burdens. That little girl is bearing her brother's burden. These men are bearing one another's burdens. And you know, that's a song from the 60s and 70s. It's a song that says, he ain't heavy, he's my brother. And when you look around this room, these are your brothers and sisters. And at times, they go through difficult things. In the midst of those difficult things, we are called to bear one another's burdens. There are 18 one another's in the New Testament. Love one another, care for one another, be members of one another. Uh, Bear one another's burdens. And so when your brother or sister has gone through an issue, most of us just showing up. I was leaving the office on Thursday afternoon. I got a phone call on my cell. It was a DPS officer. It's just Pastor DeSalvo. Yes, it is. There's a couple that uh, just lost their son in a wreck on Sparta Road. They've asked if you can come out there. And so I could have said, man, gosh, I've got a meeting tonight. I've got places to go. I've got things to do. You don't do that. You just show up. You just show up. 
So a 30-year-old man, man who doesn't come to TBC, but the mom and dad my age do attend TBC, and he went across the center line, and he lost his life. The lady in the other car lost her life, and you show up. And I had a friend ask me the next day at breakfast, what did you do? What did you say? You just show up. All I did was weep with those who wept. All you do is you hug him and you pray for him. And you say, I'm so sorry. And so when we bear one another's burdens, a lot of us just showing up. So you still get those phones you're taking notes on? Still get that pen out? Who's a struggler right now that you know? Somebody's struggling. You know they're struggling. You know they're struggling spiritually, struggling emotionally, struggling physically. I mean, they've got issues at home or they've got issues on the job or they've got issues with family. Thanksgiving week. What a great way for us to celebrate Thanksgiving by looking unto the Father and giving thanks, but also by looking for someone who's carrying a burden that we can go and share it with. Bev shared with me a ditty years ago. A, a, a joy shared is a joy doubled. A sorrow shared is a sorrow halved. Is that right? So you can go and half somebody's burden just by showing up. By being there. And let me tell you, there's nothing... Folks ask me, what do you say? I mean, I go to the hospital all the time after people have just passed away. I've watched many people take their last breath. What do you say? It's not what you say, my friends. It's being Jesus with flesh on in the presence of other people and and just being there to love on them and care for them. There are no magical words. It's just being Christ with flesh on. So you just show up. You just show up. You bear one of those burdens. And he says in the midst of that, in the midst of showing up, don't be conceited and don't be comparing. Look at verse 3. Don't be conceited. If you think you're something when you're not, you deceive yourself. Appraise yourself accurately. Anything you have is a gift from God. We may look at folks in need and say, huh, they just pull themselves up by the bootstrap, did their own thing. And he's saying, appraise yourself and recognize everything you have comes from God. It don't be conceited in verse th- or, or, or uh, conceited in verse three. Don't compare in verse four. Let each one examine his own work. Then in verse five, he says, "You shoulder what you can. You, you bear your own load. That, that's the responsibility that we have." And then he moves on, and he says, uh, "Not only are we to relate to the sinner and relate to the struggler, but we are to be generous with all our stuff." And you say, "Gosh, that doesn't sound like it goes along with that stuff." Well, it does. Because there are folks in need around us and we're to be generous with everything we have. Look at verse 6. Let the one who has taught the word share all good things with him who teaches the word. <clears throat> now, I don't want to be self-serving in any way here. In any way. Because I'm the one teaching the word. But you know, if this was a verse, like you looked at with Shannon last week on the deeds of the flesh, or if it's a verse on restoring a brother, or if it's a verse on forgiveness, we're going to preach on that. And we rarely talk about money here, but we're going to talk about money because that's what that verse is about. Just as if you're in, if you're in, in, in some type of other sin, we want to call you back. If you are not sharing from your finances with the place you're being taught. Now, if you're a visitor here, I'm not talking to you. But if you're being taught the word at TBC or taught the word by Swindoll on the radio or by Matt Chandler, he says you're to share with the guy who's teaching you the word. That doesn't mean you give us money personally. You give to the work that God's doing here. And if you're not doing that, I would say you're living in sin and disobedience. That's simple. I don't know how else to take that verse. Now, I can say that and also at the same time say we thank God for you. Because we just did budget this week for 2017. 
We've been here, this is a 36th budget I've worked on. We've been here 35 years. Every year, by God's grace and through your generosity, our budget has been met. Every single year for 35 years. That's amazing. I mean, that's amazing. It's not only been met, but we've had excess. And so we give God glory for that. But I would be remiss if I didn't say, look at the scriptures. Talk over as a family. Are we generous with where we're being taught the word? Because if not, it's an issue of sin and it's an issue of selfishness. There are three ways we can handle our money and our stuff. Three attitudes towards money and possessions. What's yours is mine, I will take it. What's mine is mine, I will keep it. What's mine is God's, I will share it. Which category do you fall in? Which one of these is you? Are you generous with everything God has given you? David Platt wrote a book called Radical. In that book, he makes this statement. He says, what is the difference between someone who willfully indulges in sexual pleasure while ignoring the Bible on moral purity and someone who willfully indulges in the selfish pursuit of more and more material possessions while ignoring the Bible about giving and caring for the poor? He says, they're both sinful, sexual sexual morality or not being generous. He said, the difference is that one involves a social taboo, that is immorality, and the other involves a social norm materialism. Pretty spot on, would you agree? Pretty spot on statement. So scriptures are pretty clear. It says, let him who's taught the word share with the one who teaches the word. Then he goes on and he says, regarding this, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever man sows, he's going to reap. If you sow after the flesh, you're going to reap from the flesh uh, flesh corruption. But if you sow after the spirit, you're going to reap eternal life. And so we speak unto you and say it's a high privilege because of what Christ has done for us to give back to do it. You know, we, we don't write checks anymore. We, I, I write two checks a month. That's it. And those checks are TBC. We give to a lot of missionaries and we have that debited out. But I, I want to make sure that after we're paid that we pray and we give back from what God has given us here. And we're taught the word here as well. So we give. You've got a deal, man. You pay me and we give back to you. Okay, But that's the way it should be. That's the way it should be. And so I ask you, are you generous with everything God's given you? And if you want to pay off our building back there, we owe $3.3 million. I'll be glad to tell you. Okay? But here's the reality. It's all of us working together as a team doing what we should do. So we need to be generous with our stuff. Finally, we need to be generous with our service. If you look at the last two verses here, verses 9 and 10, he says, don't lose heart in doing good. In due time, you'll reap if we do not grow weary, while we have an opportunity, let us do good to all men, especially to those who are in the household of God. So he says, you know what? You need to do good. And that's why I encouraged our millennials and said, you know, we are grateful for you guys and the way you've taught us in that area. Be generous in your service, doing good for others. If you go to TBC's website, you will find there are 16 partner organizations in our community. And you can actually go to our website and you can sign up to serve throughout our community and be Jesus with flesh on. And this body has impacted our community in great ways. And for that, we're grateful. And we say to God be the glory, great things he's done. In the midst of serving, don't grow weary because you're giving back to him out of all he's given to you. So when I look at this section of God's word, what I see is this. Gentleness with God's people and generosity to God's work are marks of your genuineness as God's child. I look at what Paul's writing here. He says, you need to be gentle with God's people. Be generous to God's work. Because when you do, those are marks of being God's child. 
On my phone, I, I did a little research this week. Right now, there are about 2.7 million apps available to you. Do you know that? 2.7. Now, what, the, what does the word app stand for? Application. Application. So there are two points of it. I think I've got half of those on my phone up here. I can go screen to screen and look at those. And, you know, there are some apps. An app is only useful if you do what? If you apply it, if you use it, if you use it in some way. So I've got apps on here. I go through about every month and I delete apps that I've put on there. See, I'm really smart. I know how to use an iPhone. I know how to delete stuff. So you guys need to be proud. Um, here's one I need to get rid of, LSU football. I need to get rid of that one. <laughs> Put a Crusader app on my phone over there. Um, and if you went to Texas or Baylor or Texas Tech, or you shouldn't laugh at me when I talk about LSU because I'm laughing at you. <laughs> Apps are made to be applied. And so I just ask you simply, are you applying this? Are you gentle with God's people? Generous with God's work? because it displays to you your genuineness as God's child. The Spirit of God convicted me last week. We got an airplane in uh, Frankfurt. So you, we travel Kiev to Frankfurt, Frankfurt to Chicago, Chicago to Austin, drive home. And uh, we go missionary style. We're in the back of the bus. I mean, TBC sends us, and so we're not going to pay use TBC money for business class or first class. And so we had to get up at 2.45 in the morning in Kiev to be in the lobby at 3.30 to be picked up, to be at the, hospi- uh, the hospital probably, to be at the airport by 4 a.m. And then we know we're going to be traveling for the next 24 hours. Now, Kiev to Frankfurt is not a big deal. Frankfurt to Chicago is nine and a half hours. And uh, I, I'm not a little guy. I'm not as big as I used to be, thank goodness. But, uh, but I, I'm not a little guy. And when you get on an airplane that's traveling over the ocean, you know how you get on that airplane? They take you in a door, and where do you walk? Through what? First class and business class. That's immoral. <laughs> they shouldn't do that. Because a guy like me, you know what I started doing? I don't covet much. A man needs three things in life. He needs a good wife, a big screen TV, and a pickup truck or an SUV, and I've got all three. So I don't cover it for much. But, you know, I've been up since 2.30 in the morning. I'm getting on this plane. I'm going to sit in the back for nine and a half hours. The guy in front of me, as soon as he's going to play, you know what he does? He hits his button and goes, oh, he's in my lap. Man, I can kiss this guy. <laughs> so I'm walking through the back looking at all those big seats where they can actually lay down and sleep. And they can whatever. And... Uh, I get to the back, and I told them, one time, we're, we're going to get to do this. We're going to get to ride up there. I don't know how, but we're going to do it. I'm going to go sit there, and they're going to move me or something. I don't know what. <laughs> but I didn't have a mark of God's child because I was coveting that which was not mine. And it's like the Spirit of God spoke to my heart. Is this about me or about you? Which is it? You apply what you preach or just talk about it? So an app is only useful if you apply it. Are you gentle with God's people, generous to his work? Because those are marks of genuineness as his child. Thank you, Father. Thank you for practical sections of your word, all based on spirit-filled living, that teach us how to look like you.
I confess there are times, times when uh, I need to be restored. I'm grateful for those that restore me. Times when I see folks that need to be restored and I'd rather ignore it than deal with it. There are times when uh, I so grudgingly and not joyfully, but I'm grateful for your grace and your forgiveness. And so we love you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Hug a millennial on your way out.